Yes, g'day everyone. It is Wednesday, August 10, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio, and a very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. And we've got uh, another guest co-host this morning, pinch hitting for Clarkey, who will just start to be trembling as he knows that flight home and uh, early alarm is not too far away, I'm sure. But uh, the great Phil Moss joining us. Mossy, morning to you. Good morning, Mido. Morning, Loz. Great to be here. Um, fresh off a holiday myself, so I know that feeling of that first alarm, and uh, it's not nice. It uh, certainly, I broke into a bit of a sweat when I heard my first one this week. I'm glad you bought your banana. Yes, Loz, Loz has a fruit timetable we've discovered in the last week. Yeah, yeah. Mandarin. What is it? Seven six thirty. Seven thirty. Yeah. Then he goes seven thirty eight. Eight thirty. <laughs> then he goes to the is it the banana or the apple? No, I'm next? flexible. Oh right, okay. I thought it was rigid. Flexibility, no, no. Okay. flexibility is key. Mm. Yeah, that's the that, mm. oh, that's what you've got to do early yeah. in the morning. You've got to have that flexibility. If you don't have flexibility, you're very rigid. You don't move. You don't move with the times. You can't move laterally. Can <laughs> no, you? exactly right. So mm. I need to move with the times. I've got to stay um, upbeat. I've got to stay positive, and that's how I get my positivity mm. by eating like my it. fruit. I want to ask you something though, Mossy, about yes. holidays. And I always find if I go on holidays. So if I'm off five weeks, all right, at the end of the year, I start dreading the fact that I've got to go back to work probably four or five days before I actually get back to work, but I dread it while I'm still on holidays. When did you get that feeling while you were away in Bali? Or did you completely forget about it for the 11 days that you were there? Or where did you actually go, that's right. When I come back, I've yeah. got to get ready for work. No, you're spot on. I, um, I actually spoke to my wife, Penny, about this because I said, there's no way we're just going for seven days. We went to Bali, obviously. And I said, because it takes you three days to get into it. And then with about three days before you return, you start. The... So it was the three days. So yeah. after about eight days, yeah. three days, yeah, you yeah. thought, yeah. oh, that's And right. she said it. She said, clearly, I could, I could see your brain switching. Yeah. Straight back to work, mate. It's weird, isn't it, when yeah. people say, go away, enjoy your holiday. But yeah. you, the end of your holiday, you start to think about your yeah. work. 100%. Yeah. But, yeah, no, but I think 11 days we were away for, and that was that was about right in, in Bali in that those conditions and feel, feel really relaxed and uh, it was good, good fun, good to get out of our culture as well. Yeah. Did you get out and about? Was there yeah. a lot of people over there? Yeah. Mate, it a lot was, of tourists. It was there. Bali as, as, as we knew it. It was... Um, People were so friendly, that, you know. They just—they're so excited that tourism is is back and and planes are landing and people are going over there and spending money and because they rely so heavily on on tourism, obviously. Mm. But there there was in Seminyak where we were, there was some places that I remember that were thriving that were closed down and and run down. Um, so that clearly some businesses fell over during during COVID, as you'd expect, unfortunately. But but no, it was it was really good. And how's Arnie? It's only about, what, 100 and something days? I think nearly 100 days till the World Cup. So mm-hmm. how's he feeling this far out? Was he able to relax or Absolutely. is the mind just ticking over a million miles an hour? No, I, I could see by day three he'd really cleared his brain and, and he was really relaxed. And, uh, you know, he's the type that goes away and, and really switches off and... and has a lot of lot of quiet time. We didn't bother each other during the day. It was usually happy hour. We'd get together for a Perfect. couple of beers and 
and a meal with the girls, but we did a few walks and um, yeah, he's he's in a really really good place and uh, and that's so important. And you can see that there's some players starting to to move clubs and get game time. Martin Ball, Matty Reiner on the move, so that always helps the coach because he starts to get confidence that his key players are going to be playing games. Are we any closer to knowing whether Tommy Rogic should be available? We're a bit closer to knowing where he may end up, which is Cyprus. They're, they're the headline, so it looks like... Because one of the concerns I had was that he was going to quietly slip into retirement because the season's upon us now and we still don't know what he's doing. And there was there was just silence for, for so long. Um, so if he does end up at least at a club, then there's more chance that he'll want to go to the World Cup. Um, but there's still been no conversation. Had Arnie's come out publicly and said he's just left him alone to, to sort his uh, situation out. And it's not his job to find him a club. He's a national coach. Um, that's his agent's job. So time, time will tell, but it's a very, very strange situation. And I know, you know, the national coach is, is no clearer on it. Theoretically, gee, the next well, Socceroos coach that's taking us through World Cup qualifiers, they're going to have it a fair bit easier, at least theoretically, considering it's going to 48 teams, isn't it? The next edition, yeah. and you're getting at least, uh, what, I think eight teams from the Asian Confederation will be there, possibly nine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's look, for countries like Australia, Japan, you know, Korea, Saudi, um, you know, there's no such thing as automatic qualification unless you're hosting the tournament, of course. Um, but, gee, it's it's a pretty easy ride considering what we're used to. Um, I'm not a fan. I, we've, mm. we've spoken about it on air before. I'm not a fan of sending the World Cup to 48 teams. I think it's a grab for money, um, which is a real shame because we've got the pinnacle event in world sport, um, not not just our code. Um, but anyway, it is what it is, and uh, it looks like Australia will, um, will get an easier passage. Um, but... You know, we, we've got a lot of work to do with our game here in the in Australia. Yeah, it just seems all administrations everywhere. Everyone wants to put more on, put more on. Mm. You know, give broadcasters more, get more money. But I think you're going to find in ten, fifteen years' time, there's going to be real negatives felt for that, particularly when it comes to player welfare and you know players like you just see it in cricket at the moment. It's an absolute mm. disaster. The schedule. And that's going to happen with football, naturally, and and other sports as well. You know, even now we're talking rugby league going to eighteen clubs and the impacts that's going to have. And, and to go to forty, I'm with you, Mossy. I just think it completely dilutes everything by taking the World Cup to was it forty eight countries? Forty eight teams. Well, yeah. so how many countries in the world these days? Two yeah. hundred. I mean, seriously. Yeah. One, one point of time, it's a huge element of prestige, isn't it? Making mm. a World Cup and an achievement. Mm. To get to that, and when you got a quarter of the world essentially going there, that's right. And, it and, if you, it. and if you look at our last two qualifiers, you know, everyone in Australia, and it wasn't just football fans because Australians want their teams to be at the big dance, whatever the code is. Um, no one would have had fingernails going into that Peru game um, because of the tension around it, and that's that's what makes it so great as well. It's not just the World mm. Cup; it's the tension. Um, to actually get there. So, um, yeah, anyway, we'll see. But uh, for now, we've got this uh, last World Cup of 32 teams to celebrate and the Socceroos will be there flying the flag. That's good for Australia, though, isn't it, financially? Because uh, they yeah. need a kick. Yeah, of it's course. Australia need a kick. So if yeah. you're qualifying for the World Cup every four years and, you know, the, the injection of that money goes back into the game. Mm. There's we, a silver we, lining. We, yeah, we, we shouldn't be sort of too worried about that. Yeah, I mean, I, need, I I know what you you mean with you know going to a World Cup. You want to make sure that you 
you know, well prepared and you're, you've deserved your spot there. But Australia will always, you know, fight above their weight. But mm. the money that they receive from making a World Cup is massive for the game here. And without it, we could struggle. Absolutely. This is why Loz used to win games as a player and a mm. coach because he used to think of the silver lining in every mm. dark cloud. And that, that is one. There's no doubt about it, Loz. Uh, the injection of that cash is crucial for our game to develop it. Mm. Um, but I, th- that was a traditionalist in me talking from a football yeah. perspective. Financially and from a commercial point of view, yeah. Yeah. fantastic. And here in Australia, of course, we need it because you've, you're up against so many different sports mm. where other countries don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, you you are for Australia in particular. Yeah. It's a huge benefit, but mm. for the game overall, I wonder what Debbie should it could potentially do. Yeah, in dilu- and I, and I, diluting the product. Yeah, that's right. And I, yeah. I do wonder what the pot will be. I mean, you know, Andrew Redmayne's save was worth around fourteen mil um, straight Is he straight away. <laughs> Well, no, but he might get a contract. I'd be asking. <laughs> you'd have to ask, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. You'd yeah. ask the question, but um, yeah. So I don't know if they if it'll still be worth that to qualify, or, or that might come down a bit. But as you said, any injection's a good injection when it comes to cash into football. Uh, overnight, Serena Williams writing for Vogue, one of your favourite magazines, Mossy, uh, says that she'll be quote evolving away from tennis after the upcoming US Open. Let's face it, she's retiring, 40 years of age, uh, 23 Grand Slam titles. So that's just one behind Margaret Court. But I think you'd probably have to say Serena's the greatest women's tennis player of all time. She's been brilliant, hasn't she? And the, the whole Williams family have brought a, a real theatre to uh, to tennis over over many years. But that's an interesting word, evolving away from yeah, It doesn't tennis. like to not, use retirement. Yeah, but not transitioning away either. It was evolving mm. away, which mm. I kind of like. I kind of <laughs> like that that terminology. Um, to, it says to me that she's going to grow away from the, the sport, which is fantastic. But, yeah. How many great memories have uh, has she given us and, and, as I said, the whole family? Okay, back pages of the papers. Take week off on the back page of the telly. Unprecedented ban for Semen Slur. The Sydney Morning Herald. Banned, fined. Stuart brought to heel for weak gutted dog attack. Back page of the Australian. NRL entrusts Stuart and Raiders to adhere to ban. So he was handed a one-match ban. And a $25,000 fine. The Raiders coach, Ricky Stewart, for calling Jamin Semin a weak-gutted dog after that game last Saturday night. So he misses uh, the match against the Dragons this week and he can return to the club next Wednesday morning. Uh, The NRL CEO, Andrew Abdo, said, regardless of any circumstances, it's unacceptable to use that type of language. Uh, We've looked at the context. That's a private matter. And Abdo says he doesn't wish to talk about it. Uh, the Panthers and the Raiders, they issued statements. Uh, the Panthers supporting the NRL's actions. The Raiders accepting them. Uh, Penrith players have been rallying hard around Semin as well. But uh, all in all, I guess uh, a punishment probably very much expected considering how much attention this has garnished and uh, just uh, the nature of the comments that, that were made, Loz, and uh, unprecedented. I mean, he's not allowed to have any contact pretty much with the club until he walks back in the door there next Wednesday morning. Well, not everyone's going to agree with the punishment. You'd have some people that wanted him banned for the rest of the season and the NRL have taken everything into account. Some people will think that it's still heavy-handed giving him a one-game suspension um, and a $25,000 fine. But um, 
that is what he's facing. That's what he'll accept. And he's trying to move on as quickly as he possibly can, as would Jamin Semin, I would assume. And, um, you know, the quicker that this was dealt with, the better. Um, uh, you know, Ricky has, 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 has regretted what he said in, the, in that forum. He's, he's a man that um, wears his heart on his sleeve, but he realises he's stuffed up there. Um, and he's quite happy to accept whatever punishment was, was given to him. And, um, you know, I think this is the first time I've seen it happen um, here in Australia to, to a sporting coach. But I get the feeling this could be the norm moving forward mm. with coaches. Now that it's happened. Now that it's happened. Yeah, yeah, there's a yardstick there. I think if coaches overstep the mark or if they're repeat offenders, then this could be sort of the benchmark. What do you reckon, Mossy, as far as that? Yeah, I was, look, I was just talking to Loz off air. And f- first and foremost, you know, I hope Ricky's okay because the, the pressure that comes with coaching at the top level is, is huge. As we know, he's done it for, I think this is his 20th season. Um, approximately, um, and it wears you down. And when things happen away from, you know, the field and and around your family, um, you're in this situation in a post-match press conference where the emotions are running high, and something just ticks you off. And it's uh, I, I know how easy it is. I mean, there's no no doubt Ricky crossed the line, and he's, you know, you do the do the crime, you do the time. Um, but um, yeah, it's. It, it's certainly a line in the sand, isn't it? And and I think the fact that they've made the fine personal, um, not not allowing the club to pay for it, um, I think is also a, a bit of a bit of a statement that um, that other codes may um, may look at. Um, but yeah, let's hope it doesn't happen again. And and a lot of coaches, you know, around Australia will look at this as an example of just uh, making sure that their emotions are in the right place when the cameras and microphones are in front of them. Yeah, I think this is about the right punishment, considering his comments were so unprecedented in reference to another player. Regardless of the history, I can understand the NRL really ruling a line in the sand with this. But as Loz says, uh, now are we going to see more suspensions of coaches, and and what does that mean going forward? But uh, I think look, it's a huge. You call. know what? I look at it and um and, and I think about that punishment and that like a 100% ban from anything to do with football. I, in a strange sort of way, I think that's the NRL looking after Ricky's well-being, going, you know what, to, to cross the line the way you did, you, you really do need a break. You need to freshen your brain up. Um, and, and maybe that was partly behind it. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a punishment for, for doing the wrong thing, but um, you know, maybe a week off completely will just help Ricky freshen up. Uh, also on the back pages of the papers, uh, the Swans yesterday, and uh, one of their best, Josh Kennedy, is set to retire. So the headline, Champ Josh's Swan Song, back page of the telly, and uh, he's there on the back page of the Australian as well. Resident Kennedy calls time at the Swans, set to retire. Uh, their midfield great at the end of the season. This is his 16th season, 34 years of age. He's obviously from Hawthorne Royalty with his father and uh, grandfather in particular as well. 290 games. He only played 13 of those for the Hawks early in his career. Uh, three-time All-Australian, three-time club champion, 2012 Premiership player, former captain. And uh, he says the decision was made as well before he suffered yet another hamstring injury in the reserves there on Sunday. And as far as stats are concerned in the AFL, he is the all-time leader in contested possessions. Loz, that tells you he puts his head where others haven't, more often than anyone else. 
since that stat at least has been tracked. Oh, he's been a wonderful player for the Sydney Swans and he's been the heart and soul there for a long period of time. He's been a premiership winning player. Um, obviously, at the back end of his career, he's getting some injuries and in particular to his hamstrings. And uh, when you start getting hamstring injuries at 34 years of age, they take longer and longer to come back from. So it'll be highly unlikely we'll see him again. You never say never because the Swans uh, may get some injuries um, at the back end of the year, depending on how deep they go into September. But he's going to find himself on the sideline for at least a month or so to try and recover from his hamstring injury. But it'll be great to see him um, be a part of another Swans premiership because it's an open year for the AFL. I think there's one of possibly six sides there that are capable of winning. Um, and the Swans are as good a chance and as good a hope as anyone. Also back page of the Herald, ditch battle. Unsettled star Isaiah Papali'i is considering asking for a release from his West Tigers contract for next year to return home to New Zealand with his old club, the Warriors. I'll tell you what, Loz, the one consistent with this Isaiah Papali'i situation, he is not one bit enthused about heading to the West Tigers next year, despite signing a a three-year deal worth upwards of $2 million. Well... This is something that the league will have to look at because Papali signed in good faith and he signed knowing the dramas that was going on at the Tigers. And if he hasn't got a get-out clause that says, if Michael Maguire is no longer coach, I can get out of my contract, then he's obligated to go there. Mm. And if you're the West Tigers, he's a really good player, Papali. You're standing your ground. 100%. 100%. You're standing your ground on him and saying, no, 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 no. No, this is watertight. You're coming. And if you don't want to come, well, the club that you want to go to, let them come to us and let's discuss a deal mm. because we need to get something out of this deal. You're our player and we're not going to release you. Mm. That's the way I'd be looking at it. 100%. Because it it also... No matter what coaches say, it also has an impact on the dressing room when it happens during a season. Um, when you know a player's signed for another club for the following season, it does have a ripple effect in the mm. dressing room. So if it's all for nothing, um, then that's disappointing as well. It's just another ingredient thrown into the mix. Well, when you're doing your recruitment, they signed him, what, months ago? They've, they've yeah. spent this money on a back rower mm. and they feel as though they've got the right back rower. So there's a lot of other back rows that possibly they could have missed out on between now and then. Mm, definitely. That have moved on. Mm. So, so, so that's another reason you're going, well, no, you, you, you're coming to us. Mm. If he hasn't got a clause in his contract that stipulates, I can leave if Michael Maguire is no longer the coach, then he's going to the West Tigers. Absolutely. Just this text on the Serena Williams retirement. I have to read it out. Hey, Mido, how can you say Serena is the GOAT when she's still one major behind Margaret Court? Last time I checked, 24 was higher than 23, champ. It's like saying another team is better than Penrith this year. More wins equals better team. Okay, so Michael Jordan won six NBA championships. Bill Russell won 11. Who do you think the better player was? Who do you think was the greatest dominating player of all time? Jordan or Bill Russell? Bill Russell was a sensational player and won, what, I think 11 titles with the Celtics. Don't tell me Jordan wasn't the greatest basketballer of all time, particularly in relation to Bill Russell. So I think Serena, as far as pure domination of opponents over a long period of time, and her her power game was unlike any power we've seen in tennis. In statistics, so often we can just say one's got more than the other 
and say, well, that's it. Yeah, but is uh, that the only measure? Well, the only measure you can have, I, I believe, is you, you look at it through eras. Mm. Because you can't compare even mm. rugby league players, the great rugby league players from you know, the Daly Messengers and you know, Clive Churchill's from the 50s, 60s, or Norm Provens and Rapers and all them from that era to the era of today, it's just completely different games. And if exactly. you look at what a fullback did back then compared to the great fullbacks of today, so true. completely yeah. different. Mm. Yeah. Completely different. And you'd be looking at them going, well, they haven't got the same work rate as the fullback. So you can only judge in your era, I, mm. I believe. Mm. And it's hard to define the greatest mm. because there has been so many great tennis players throughout era, the uh, you know, all different eras, basketballers throughout so many different eras, rugby league players, whatever sport you talk about, it's it's hard to nominate the best. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Loz, I know it's it's so difficult. We always have the, the Pelé, Maradona, Messi, Ronaldo yeah. argument, you know. But and it's Tiger and Jack Nicholas. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and because we're younger and we get to see these people, we obviously go to them straight away. Mm. But, you know, guys that are 80 and 90 that can remember a lot of players before us, when they were growing up as kids, they will tell you that their best player and the players that they loved were as good, if not better, than today's player. Yeah. yeah. What, what I'd love to do is put, which you can never do, but imagine swapping the eras of the players. Like Imagine Pele playing in the in the current environment with sports science and perfect pitches and lighter footballs mm. and all that. Like What he used to be able to do on mud with a with a leather ball with, with, with stitches down the middle of it was remarkable. So yeah, it's it's an impossible argument.